Hey everyone, what is up and welcome to the Lifestyle Lifter Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today, I was joined by Steve Griffin. Steve has an incredible story. Okay, so he lost over 100 pounds. He lost over 100 pounds inside eight months. He went from 340 pounds to 234 pounds. So on today's show, so, so incredible, so insightful. He describes his journey. So how he actually gained the weight in the first stage, what his moment was that decide, that just made him decide, I've had enough, I need to change. And then he talks about the journey, what he actually changed. And a big part of this show is about mindset. It's about the habits that he implemented and just surrounding yourself with the right people. So a ton of value in this one. It really is such an inspirational story. And I know you're going to love it. So without further ado, here is this week's episode with Steve Griffin. Stephen Griffin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me here. It's nice to find the emis. <laughs> nice to meet you. We're doing this over Zoom um, for everyone listening. So, Steve, before we get you to, to share your absolutely incredible backstory, share something about yourself, Steve, that most people do not know. Uh, oh, jeez, oh, I hate these. Um, <laughs> uh, English isn't my first language. <laughs> no way, man. What is your first language? Uh, Irish. I didn't speak English till I was six or seven. Oh my god insane uh, but we, we won't do this off squid again steve i used to work no. as a primary school teacher and i'll tell you the concept of use it or lose it um it can certainly be applied to fitness but also it carries over to, to things like languages too so uh lanama jirai uh three bears steve so <laughs> steve you've obviously you've had like such an incredible journey um so for anyone, for everyone listening here, Steve, he lost almost 110 pounds inside eight months. Okay. So you went from, you know, 340 pounds or 155 kilos. And Steve, you got all the way down to like 106 kilos or, or 234 pounds. So before we talk about the journey, Steve, what I'd love to do is actually talk about, you know, how that actually started. So how did you kind of get to, and, and, and really cap out at like 155 kilos. Like what were some, maybe some of the habits, the routines, the, the bad practices, whatever you want to call them, Steve, that you would have had? Yes, well, they probably all started when I joined the guards and, and not through any fault off the guards, but just my whole life changed. Like my routine changed, my work routine changed, my, my time off changed, everything changed on me uh, very quickly. So it kind of set everything up in a bit of a spin. Um. I was actually really fit when I got into the guards. I got a lot of PT and, you know, just to pass the fitness test, I overthought it. Like I said to you, I tend to overthink things. And I was flying, absolutely flying. And then night shifts and middle of the day shifts and takeaways and, and all these things all started to, I suppose, creep in more and more often. I became very, I suppose, lazy after work, for lack of a better phrase. I wasn't very creative with my food choices. Um, the physical laziness then started to manifest itself maybe in, uh, say, my eating laziness. So I lived maybe five minutes away from the town centre. I mean, I could have walked yeah. 15, 20 minutes and I still got to deliver food or just eat it. You know, I was just that lazy. If it didn't come to the door, I was like, oh, you know, 
um, I just, I suppose, have it set in over time. And I was justifying things to myself. I mean, I remember listening to a book, geez, probably four years ago now, The Power of Habit. Yeah. Wow, and great book. It, oh, it's incredible. It's an incredible book. But and Atomic Habits then is a follow-on. And James um, Clear, yes. Yeah. So yeah. Charles Duhigg, I think, was he The Power of Habit? Yeah. Or is he The Power of Habit? And then James Clear, Atomic Habits, two fantastic books for everyone. Yes. Keep going there, and, Steve. And you know, when you're, you can listen to books sometimes and you don't really hear anything that that's relevant to you. But I heard those and I was like, time after time going oh well i do that and it was just the simplest of things like i passed the same petrol station every week when i drove back to Kerry fork i stopped there every week to get diesel i then got my feckin large mocha feckin whatever it was latte <laughs> and my bun and my pack of jellies for the drive because that's yes. just what i did wow. and in my day-to-day -day life the that's just what i do started to take over and I'd be coming back from work at five o'clock and I'd pick up chocolate bar, I'd pick up a pack of crisps because that's just what I did to watch a bit of telly with. And over the course of time, you know, I was getting in at 10 past five at the latest and I was just sitting there. Well, I wasn't doing yeah. anything for the evening. I was, I was justifying bad decisions by saying there's a football match on or my favorite show was on or I was finding wow. ways of justifying my laziness. Wow. Yeah. And, and you know what? This is like, I heard Tony Robbins actually speak about this, that like, up to, oh, I think, or Charles Zouig said, it, or like up to 48% of everything we do every single day is just done on autopilot out of habit, which is a great thing if you've built in some good habits, but maybe if there's some bad or limiting habits there, that can also be a scary thing. So your cue was, okay, you're finished work, you're passing this petrol station. The routine was, um, okay, I'm going to stop, I'm going to buy petrol. And then you see you see the, the, the mocha, the latte, whatever it might be, you see the bun, you see the, 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 the sweets, and the reward is, of course, you know, that that nice feeling, that sugar rush that we get afterwards. Um, amazing, amazing. And I always kind of say, Steve, like, it's okay for something to happen once. You know, we all have can kind of have off days, but there is a danger in like, you know, letting something compound and letting one day turn into two and then two days turn into a week, turn into a month. Was that kind of the case for you, Steve, as you start your new job and you obviously had a new routine and, and structure? Yeah, yeah. It felt as if it took uh, over very quickly. Yeah. You know, I was so engrossed in the new job and it was something I wanted to do for years. So yeah. it was all so new and exciting and fast. You know, every day was so different that I was constantly thinking about that. It's not like, with no disrespect to, to office jobs or anything, but I would have found that very mundane. I couldn't do that. I couldn't sit in an yeah. office. Yeah. So this was all high-paced stuff happening the whole time. And afterwards, I almost felt like the constant need to maybe not reward myself and after cool. a while it changed from being a reward system to like a comfort system if you had a bad day or been to a maybe a nasty incident or an incident that wasn't so nice um but it, it all happened it's it's kind of like you know the boulder coming down the hill cool. maybe the initial okay. push at the top of the hill is a bit yeah. gentle then once it tips over that age it starts wow. flying down and I'm curious, so Steve, if we were to put a time frame on this, so you you obviously you 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 pit you pass the physical test when you join the guards. Over what period of time would you have like you know from joining the guards to getting to 155 kilos? Roughly, like how how long are we talking here, Steve? Maybe about two years. Maybe, maybe, and that's ballparking because I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, what was so your start rate? What would you have kind of what weight would you have been roughly, Steve? when you started the guards and and 
I'd say probably about 110. 110 seems to be like my happy place. And I hate saying that because I know yeah. we don't have like set, set weights, but it seems to be where I'm kind of, okay. kind of where I have a nice balance. Gotcha. You know? So yeah. I probably would have been about there somewhere. Sure. And then okay. just very, very swiftly. Yeah. Over, you know? Yeah. Okay. So 45 kilos or nearly 100 pounds over, over the space of two years, Stephen. How did that kind of, how did gaining that weight then like, did that kind of impact upon your confidence, upon your lifestyle, Steve? Oh, massively. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it got to a point where I didn't even really feel like me anymore. Um, I'm quite chatty. Uh, I'm very chatty. Um, <laughs> I'm. I I love being the fella that makes the joke, the one that's like just on the line of being acceptable or not so it has to be heard <laughs> and when i had when i had gained that level of weight that was the last thing i wanted i did not want to be seen i didn't want to be heard and i'm six foot four and i was 155 kilos so being seen is gonna happen i can't really hide it's like an yeah. elephant hiding behind a lamppost <laughs> okay oh, and i i guess steve then like they, they do say the pain like it, pain is a great teacher too and sometimes it can drive action and, and cause us to take action. You know, for me, I can definitely relate to this when I just said, look, I've actually, I've had enough. I'm fed up. I, I'm no longer going to tolerate this. So what was your kind of aha moment, Steve, where you just said, right, this is the end. It's time to make things change. Like, was there any kind of one point you can pinpoint this down to, or was it just like an accumulation of things? There was one major point with one, I suppose, little point that happened almost immediately after yeah. um i was on the holidays over in lanzarote yeah. and uh second last night we were going for like a family dinner we had done the obligatory shopping in the main shopping center and um i was there and we did the poolside photos and you know when you hold the shutter button on a phone it takes any amount of photos it takes 10 20 30 photos. Gotcha. yeah and the first one was fine ish and then gradually they just got worse and worse because like you know, in the first one, I'd stood up, chest out, sucked in, kind of hidden. And then as I moved, I started to slump forward. The gut came out and there was just one photo and I saw it and I went, Jesus. And that was the first time I had seen plenty of photos of myself, even though I tried to avoid them. Yeah. But that was the first time I saw myself so okay. heavy or so overweight. And yeah, that was just when I decided. I was like, that's a brand new T-shirt. Like, I shouldn't be spilling out of that. Yeah. And okay. I just saw it now and something's got to give here. Like it's, it's now or never. It's kind of that, I suppose it's at the, the bottom of the barrel moment where I either do something about it now or it gets worse. Wow. Okay. And, and so you obviously did something about it, Steve. So tell me like, what, what did you change then? Uh, I, yeah, I was back to work that next, I think it was like Saturday and I messaged Paul Germany in between and I was like, we, he's an old mate of mine and he's a PT. And I remember just throwing out the olive French. I was talking to him about Spanish coffee because I was in Lanzarote and he was living in Barcelona at the time. And it, was just any, it was just anything to start a conversation. It just needed to find a way of getting into the conversation for him to say, how are you keeping, how are things going? And he did that. Sure. And I was like, you know, it's not great. And I'd really like your help. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to accept that yeah. you're not as great or as perfect as you might think you are. And that you sure. might need a little bit sure. of help, you know. Um but yeah, we teamed up for, it was actually three months initially and I forced him into the fourth month because the fourth month or the third into the fourth month was December into January. Oh my God. Awesome, yeah. man. Incredible. Incredible. But but I, I actually, that's such an interesting point, Steve, because 
a lot of people that a lot of people kind of say, you know, I'm going to wait until insert perfect time. But the thing you don't understand is like, if you want to make this a lifestyle change, and if you if you're in this for the long term, there's never going to be a perfect time. And the harder the season you're about to enter. So Christmas is probably the hardest season of all. But if you can come through that and if you can get through that, you know, relatively okay. That's actually how you build confidence because you know no matter what is thrown at you, you can actually overcome it. You you can get through it. So man, that that's really really interesting. And, and I'm curious, oh Steve. So you ordered and work with Paul Germany. Um, tell me like, so so at your at your at your highest weight of would say one fifty five kilos. How did your exercise training like? Would would you mind just kind of talk us through like that kind of routine for you, Steve? What's that look like for you? How did you progress things? Yeah, um, initially very simply, very very simply. If it was, I suppose, uh, and I can't put words in Paul's mouth, but it was to not shock my system, for lack of a, oh, this is too difficult, I can't do this. Um, it was a case of getting in from work, and yeah. just changing the clothes and going for a walk. You know, there was a park, and I, it actually kind of half shames me to say it. There's a park like two hundred, maybe three hundred meters away from me, to walk around. And Paul was like, just just go, just walk, walk to the shop, walk to the butchers, walk to whatever it is. Um, you don't always have to take your car. One thing I did that helps me big time, and, and you'll appreciate it, having been talking about habits, was I brought my gym bag and I left it at the foot of my locker. Nice. So where I had the issue before of the travel home, where I used to get the, the crisps, the chocolate, the bundle, whatever it was, now I had broken the habit of sitting straight into my car. And to be honest, if I had left my gym bag in the car, I'd be quite inclined to just sit into it and leave without going. But now it was there. It was kind of the quintessential sure I might as well. Um, Paul sent me some training. Henry. Nothing nothing crazy initially. And I remember distinctly one day I was so tired. I was just wrecked. And I texted him. I was like, man, I couldn't do the, the third set or the fourth set. And he was like, I couldn't give a shite if you did three, four, or ten. He goes, if you <laughs> walked around the gym for an hour with two 10 kg dumbbells in your hands, he goes, that would have been fine. He goes, it's more than you were doing last week. And I was like, Brilliant. that's a great point. Oh, super. Man, this is so, like, I literally had this conversation with a client of mine today about, like, I'd rather you do six five-minute workouts than one 30-minute workouts, because as James Clear says, I, I feel we're relating to habits a lot here, Steve. It's just building the identity. I am. I am someone who exercises. I am someone who reads. I am someone who, you know, eats or eats well or takes pride in, in my, my physical fitness and just showing up is more important than that. What, what we actually get done man that is insane and, and tell me so like in terms of nutrition then were, were you like were you following a diet um obviously you 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 reverted back from the habit of the petrol station so like what what were some of the nutrition strategies you would have implemented Steve? i suppose the most important thing for me would have been actually learning about calories and i know some people like there's there's the whole for and against argument but i mean I maintain if you're going to lose weight, you have to have a certain grasp of it. Whether you do it your way or the way the clubs do it, whatever it is, I was into calories. I've been attacked online before because I've talked about calories and people have been like, you know, you don't have to count calories. They're obsessive. They're this. I think it's James Smith that says, like, if you're trying to save money, you keep an eye on your bank account. I was trying to save 
calories or trying to lose weight. So I was keeping an eye on my calorie budget. Um, <laughs> but it's but learning about calories helped me break some of the stigmas that were there, like white bread is bad, or white potatoes are bad, or you know these things. Because then, then I'd scan them and I'm going, hold on, that, that slice of bread only has like 80 calories, you know. And and all of a sudden, I was kind of saying to myself, well, I can have a slice of toast, or I can have a sandwich, I can have a Kinder Bueno, and it's not going to make me fat overnight. Fantastic. Yes. So provided we don't overspend it, it's like that weekly budget. What you can, you can, <laughs> if you get paid on a Friday, you can spend it all on Friday or you can balance it out for the week and the exact same with yourself, Steve. So I'm curious, like, do you remember like what kind of calories you would have been hitting? Um, Steve, what, what's your kind of calorie range just would have been like? Oh, if yeah. it would have been quite high really, because I was yeah. such a big fella. Um, it was over the two thousands anyways. And I remember initially thinking this isn't, not that it isn't too bad, but it was doable. Sure. Do you know, and I think a lot of people think diet's going to be difficult. This is going to be tough. You know, this is going to be gruesome and I'm going to hate it. And I think a lot of people go into it with the negative mindset anyways. So at the first little bump, they just go, fuck it. Um, whereas for me, from the day dot, Paul was like, listen, you can have your favorite foods. You can have two slices of pizza without having six. You know, awesome. you don't have to completely rid yourself of enjoyment with food. You're going to have food for the rest of your life, so you might as well enjoy it. Oh, and right. at, at 155 kilos, I didn't have to be eating chicken and broccoli because that's just not where I was. You know, that's not what my goal was. My goal was to actually have a sustainable, I suppose. 100%. So everybody, everybody has a diet. It's just it's either serving you or it's not. So mine just needed to be better serving me. Um so like little things for me kept me sane like the little you know the kinder fingers ones that have like 90 calories yes They're yes like yes super sweet like those things kept the same curly whirlies a hundred percent yeah yeah and, and tell me so steve like we, we always say like progress is addictive and, and when you see progress you naturally want more and what what like how are you measuring your progress was it just all the number on the scale or was it a combination of the scale maybe how you felt your confidence levels clothes fitting better what were some of your metrics of success steve yeah and it's going to sound a bit mad considering that most things i do it starts with you know a scale weight a scale weight really wasn't you know it was important and it's it's a metric that i think most people get most people can see a number on a scale and, and understand it or resonate somehow but for me, it was the fact that I was happy, um, the way my clothes fitted, the way I was training, the fact that now when I started like the, the 2K walk, now with the 5K walk, and I was kind of able, more or more able, maybe I wasn't so out of breath. Um, I was playing five-a-side soccer at the time, and you can imagine five-a-side soccer at 155 kilos, you're not that mobile. Um, but it was like the, the pedometer on my watch, you know, these little things all added up over time and they were all, I suppose, good indicators. Now, obviously scale weight helped, but I, I, I ended up with a bit of a thing with scale weight over the last year and a half where you know, like uh, say at the time I was only weighing myself once a week. Um, I've learned that that's not always the most indicative thing of how you've done over the past week, sure. you know, I, I, it's one given moment in time there could be any cause of one metric absolutely exactly yeah so yes. it's um i have a love-hate relationship with 
scales. You sure, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, because it can fluctuate so often, time of day. Even the freaking scales you actually use, it's got to be this the exact same one, the, the yeah. surface. Okay, um, when you had your last meal, when, when you last went to the bathroom, your hydration, your salt intake, for girls, you know, time of the month, all of these, there's so many different factors. So that's why we always say, Steve, you know, it's important to have more than one metric of success. Like sure, the scale, but like pictures, clothes, as you were saying, maybe tape measurements, energy levels, confidence, how you're feeling. These are all, you know, non like non-standardized methods that that are still absolutely huge and tell me so Steve because you, you said you mentioned you know you weighed yourself once a week or so and we all know success isn't linear and I'm sure maybe there were weeks Steve where you you had a lot of expectation of oh geez I, I definitely I was on point this week I definitely lost x amount of pounds or x amount of kilos how do you kind of deal with maybe some of those setbacks that I'd like any kind of tips there if like dealing with maybe some setbacks when when things didn't go as planned just in relation to your weight? Yeah, so I suppose for the first couple of months, I was just, just so stubborn. I mean, I'm a stubborn person anyways. So the first <laughs> few months for me went like, you know, really well in, in quotes, you know. Um, so my weight, I remember looking at it not the long ago on my fitness pal, I had the constant trend of down, 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 down. But eventually, like you said, it did get to the point where it was like maybe a flat line or maybe like a slight peak up. Sure. And I suppose an integral part of being able to get better at anything is being able to look at something. You know that, you know that um, the, the sports cliche, you learn more with the loss than you do with the win. 100%. It, it, it's kind of the same with weight loss. When you're losing, you just go, when I'm losing, it's okay. I don't have to really digest it or dissect it all that much. But for me, when something didn't quite go right, even if it was just my training, if I had a session and I was like, oh, that wasn't great, I'd look at what I ate, how I slept, how long I slept, what I did the day before. Is there a specific reason to this? So it was important mm. for me to be able to look at the week before and say, is there a specific reason gotcha. my weight went up? Did I do my best? Is there something? like, Am I just trying to blank out the fact that I might have had you know, loads, like I said, loads of salt yesterday? You know, it's learning was important and being able to look back at yourself and really get into the nitty gritty of what you've been doing and how you've been doing it. It was so important for learning to go forward. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, so kind of like it, it kind of seems like what you're saying there, Steve, is holding yourself accountable too for your actions. And, you know, as Gary Vee says, do your actions match your ambitions? Okay, I want to lose weight. What do I want to do? What am I willing to do? What won't I do? And you know what? Maybe the last week, this wasn't on point. My sleep wasn't on point. My hydration wasn't on point. And and just accepting that, fair enough, you know, th th this just happened, but not seeing it as like the be all and end all, which I feel so many people people do see there whereby the experience would say we'll just call it a loss or a failure and then that's like the trigger of oh f this i'm just going to go on a binge now what kind of stops you or what spurred you on steve to, to to stay going to stay consistent even if you did encounter some small setbacks along the way um the the feeling of where i had been um that was huge for me and i know it's not for everybody and i've had this discussion in depth with with paul and with brian Keane before i think i kind of I, I align a little bit more with brian in his you know um, it's like fuel for your fire you know fire can burn down your house or it can cook your food it's not inherently a good thing it's not inherently a bad thing but i had used the fuel of how i felt at my worst 
and the week after so saying there was like that moment but then there was like the little moment after where a colleague at work made a comment about my weight and made a comment about you know steve knows where to eat they were looking for a restaurant suggestions in galway and it stung and i held on to that for months and months and months but not in a dwelling over it it was more of a I'll, I'll kind of show you sort of thing and to be fair i haven't seen the fella since i don't think i got transferred <laughs> out very pretty soon after yeah. and he doesn't give a shite and i don't give a shite it works awesome oh that's incredible man i absolutely love that like using i guess using that pain in, in a positive way to spur you on steve even if you were dealt with a setback and tell me so like you mentioned and obviously it impacts your confidence but then how did this change your life for the better then when you start when you started seeing changes you know what what like what were some of like the big standout moments for you that you can say wow like this is just this is incredible what i've done so far yeah so i suppose there's just the general day-to-day happiness and confidence aside i was able to just walk into you know elveries and buy a sports jersey so i remember that being a big moment where i was able to just walk in and grab a jersey i didn't have to go online and order like a 2xl or a 3xl it was just there in the shop my size was available to me wow. um i've had i had a lot of bad moments in closed shops over the years where yeah they couldn't facilitate me they didn't have anything that fit and this whole like skinny jeans revolution just didn't work well for me at all it was a bad time <laughs> um you know i was asked by a suit company in galway suit republic to do some stuff with them and there was just so many I suppose little moments, whether like the simplest things, like I said to you, being able to, I, I signed up, I did half marathons, I did 30 Ks, um, stuff that two years prior would, wouldn't have even been in the discussion like this. I couldn't do that. That's for somebody else. That's not for people like me kind of thing. Wonderful. Oh man, that's incredible. That's incredible. And and you know what, Steve, like there, there's a danger too in just kind of saying, you know, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I reach X weight or I'll be happy when, you know, I, I get X job or whatever. But there's a lot to be said, too, about like just the journey and if just, you know, enjoying that journey and and, and in, just embracing all of the challenges, all the struggles that you kind of we go through. And I guess, Steve, you know, what would you say to someone who who puts all their self-worth and evaluates that just solely on their like the, their their body image of how they look what what would you say to someone who who's kind of in that bracket at the moment steve yeah do you mind if i bring in a personal story to it of course of course because yeah, i actually i haven't spoke about this anywhere yet i didn't talk about it anywhere because i didn't know how to articulate it but i did a shoot last year yeah and i suppose the point where i was at weight the yeah. point that i'll be happy when point when i hit 93 kilos was probably when i was at my least happy um i felt horrible like i I just didn't it it played with my head a lot straight after and i've done a lot of reading and stuff since where i've learned that it's actually from a psychological point of view it's actually the lead up to the point that humans tend to find most fulfilling it's the i'm doing things that i didn't do last week or the week before the month before and it's extremely dangerous to to put all of your hopes or to put all of your aspirations for happiness in a point in time that you actually can't resonate with. I did that. I, I remember specifically saying when I stood on a scale that 93 kilos was the weight I wanted to be and that I'd be happy when I got to it. Um, not not from a not from a joyful point of view, but from the point of that's the time I have to be or that's the way I have to be for my shoot and I'd be happy when I get to it. 
and I just wasn't. And you know, afterwards, it did it did affect me, but like not in a I was terribly sad kind of way, but it just affected my relationship with with, with training, with food, with everything really, because I was in a bubble for a while. And it's like I said to you earlier, 110 seems to be my kind of my happy spot where I'm at this nice balance of training but I can have pasta if I want to, you know, and sure, it's gotcha. like, I'm not, I'm not completely <laughs> depressed all the time because I can't eat what I want to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, whilst I'm a huge fan of envisaging what you want, yeah. you know, pick a goal, see it, whatever it is, see it, see the, you know, the, the large size Jersey or see the dress or see whatever it is and go for it, but don't assume that that's going to be where you're happy because you might be happy at five kilos this side of it you might not actually be happy at that weight 100%. it's um there's a hell of a balancing act involved it's hard to it's really really hard to juggle it yeah i think um there, there's a great book by morgan household called the psychology of money and he talks about you know if you kind of always put your happiness in the future like i'll be happy there wherever there is whenever you get there that mm. becomes the new here and then you move the goalposts always forward. But you got to just celebrate the wins along the way. Steve, I can definitely relate to that too, where, you know, I'll be happy when I get this job or, you know, I get a six back. And then when you get there, you're like, is this all there is to it? You know, I, I, I neglected X, Y, and Z all for this. So I think there really is something to be said for like just the journey. And maybe just, you know, celebrating the wins, take a bit of time out, you know, have a bit of fun as well along the way. And, and just be proud of yourself, like feel proud, like just look at yourself in the mirror and say, well done. You know, I might not be there yet, wherever there is, but you know what? I, I've come a long way and compare yourself to, you know, where you were, as you said, the winds along the way, compare yourself to where you were a month ago, two months ago, whether that is you were able to lift more weight now than you were then, or, you know, you were, you were able to run a bit faster, you broke a PB, whatever it might be. They're the wins. They're the things that spur you on, not the actual end result. Man, that's that's incredible. And I feel this is a lot about mindset as much. Like it, it, it seems like it was nearly as much mind over matter for you, Steve. And speaking of mindset, um, <laughs> someone we can both definitely re resonate and relate with. Um, you share your story first. Tell me, David Goggins, you, you're, you're a fan of his, Steve. And, and even just let's talk about, you know, the importance of when you're on this journey. I'm sure there are people there who said, ah, Steve, go on. You know, you go for the takeaway now. And we'll have a few here and there. Talk to me about, Steve, like just your inner circle, who the importance of surrounding yourself with, with positive people who are in alignment and who actually support you. Uh, yeah, it's, it was huge. It was one of the first things that Paul really, I suppose, asked me to look at. It was like, just look at who's around you. You know, is there any, I suppose factors that's coming from them that's impacting your decisions is it not, not a peer pressure thing but are you doing it to maybe keep people happy and for me at work that was a huge go on we'll get chips go on we'll get breakfast go on we'll get yeah. and you want to be one of the lads you know and you, you kind of pressure yourself like there was no pressure coming from the three or four lads i worked with to sure. you know come on if you don't come with us you're out of the gang like that just wasn't a thing but for myself i was like geez if i don't go now they're going to judge me and I think that came with a lot of my own low self-esteem, low self-confidence sure. at the time that I felt that it, it's it, this is do or don't, now this is make or break. And like afterwards, I used to go with the lads. I'd have a coffee, I'd have an omelette, I'd have something. But in my head, if I didn't have the fryer, I didn't have the chips like oh, the lads, 
you know, for Paul, it was simple. It was, um, look at the lads, look who you're taking advice from, look at who you're listening to. And that doesn't have to be physical people. It could be books or podcasts. It could 100%. be any noise that's getting into your head. Like some of the people in my circle, I didn't, like I saw Paul very little because he was in Spain, but I spoke to him a lot. Brian Kane was in my circle, Shane Walsh in Dublin. Yeah, I didn't see the lads all that often, spoke to them a lot, and I listened to them a lot of their podcasts. Um, there was other people. Uh, Ethan Suplee was a big one for me. He's an American actor. He's in Remember the Titans. Huge, okay, huge fan. Yeah, I lost yeah. him away. Wow. And I was cool enough recently, he featured me on his podcast. Oh, so my God. Incredible. Like, crazy how it came full circle. It was just Unbelievable. so... Unbelievable. It was like... You know how like people joke about fanboying? I was freaking the fuck out. I was chatting to him like a couple of weeks before and I was freaking out. And he's such a normal fella. And you know, it's just so important. Like I would have been one of the people that would have listened to Tommy down the road there talk about geez, you have to do sprints now if you want to lose weight. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what the football team did forty years ago. And I was 155 kilos and sprints, you know. Not the most joy-friendly thing, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And yeah. I would have thought to myself, I can't do that. I'm never going to lose weight. And because I listened to somebody who wasn't in a position to give any oh. advice, I mean, Tommy down the road there didn't do sprints himself, which sure it's just what he heard. Um, yeah, so like maybe four or five people in my inner circle that I actually listened to and gave shit about their opinion, for lack of a better phrase. And like my circles were different. My fitness circle... And maybe my day-to-day life circle were different. So oh, I took advice from different people on different things. I didn't listen to, you know, some fitness personality giving me advice about work because, you know, they, sure. maybe they just didn't get it. Gotcha, um, of course. But so important that the noise you let into your head, so important. Wow, that's awesome. And I love the way you said there as well, Steve, even if it's also in relation to books it's in relation to podcasts it's it's the television series you're watching it's how you spend that downtime it's what you watch on youtube all of these things are are impacting you positively or negatively so you can kind of choose what you let in what you let like for me steve i don't even freaking watch the news anymore or listen to the radio like honestly for the most part i i could barely tell you (laughs) what's going on but what i do choose like i decide and i choose what i listen to so i listen to podcasts that make me feel good that i know the information is going to be relevant to me and i think there's a lot to be said for not necessarily taking advice of someone who you wouldn't swap places with. Um, and for you, Steve, as well. So why don't, like, I know for me, uh, David Goggins, <laughs> I, um, I I heard him first speak on, on Joe Rogan back in 2018, March 2018 it was. And within like two or three days, I just said, feck this, like, I got to do something. So I just signed up for a marathon because I was thinking, what is the most difficult thing that I could do <laughs> to really challenge myself? And that was like, you know, th- that was what I could think of at the time. But tell me for you, Steve, like he um, I heard you say previously, he kind of had a his tough love approach. Maybe that resonated with you a bit, Steve. Yeah, I have a signed copy of his book there and it is like my most prized <laughs> possession. It's still in the, incredible. It's still in the bubble wrap that I got it from. I'm like, nah, I'm keeping this. Um, yeah, Goggins for me, it just fell into my life just at the right time. You know, like I've read books before and I've listened to things before and they've not resonated because they didn't really apply. But like I read his book and I was listening to him speak about how he was overweight, how he wanted to lose weight to get to a certain goal for a certain job. Yeah. 
And he, like I said earlier, he's, I'm stubborn. He's ridiculous. And <laughs> I suppose I have a, I have like an aggressive mindset in ways. That's why I said I, I kind of line up with Brian Key more than I do with Paul. And I, I just felt like, you know, this guy, I can, I don't know how to put it, but like, I like this vibe. And I was like, he's real can do fuck you attitude. And he's going to do it and he doesn't give a shit and he's going to get there. And it's a bit like you doing the marathon. I'm going to do it. And that's it. <laughs> oh, I'd like they, they say a goal is, is a dream with a deadline. And the great thing about signing up for the marathon is look, it's on the 28th of October and the event, the time, the date, you know, it's there. You've got a schedule. Let's let, let's freaking go. Let's do it. Um, and for anyone out there, listen, the name of Goggins book, I'm curious how he got it signed. It's called Can't Hurt Me. How, how did you get a signed copy, Steve? That's an unbelievable. Yeah, there was a special period where he was celebrating something and there was so many of them available. And he did a he did an Instagram live where he signed like, I don't know how many of them, but he's he it was the most boring fucking Instagram live ever because it went on for hours. <laughs> and I'm going signing one book, putting it to the side, signing one book, putting it Unreal. to the side. I'm never getting rid of that book. But you're right though, and that was my thing about running. You had a date, you had a time, you had a time you had to complete it, and you had a distance to cover. It's like one of the not easiest things to work towards, but you know exactly what you have to 100%. do. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. And even when you said about the photo shoot last year, I I just. I booked one and then once I booked it, it's like, okay, right, I'm actually doing this now. I'm not going to back out because I, I, I'm i going to hold myself accountable to my word. I think there's a lot of power in that, Steve. And just as we kind of wrap things up, Steve, you know, I often kind of speak with people prior to starting and 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 look, it's something I can relate to. I'm by no means polished where we all have these like self-limiting beliefs, you know, like I was always the chubby one in school or I was always overweight or it must be nice for, for Steve, but I'm different because X, Y, and Z. So for anyone out there, whether it, you know, we're just obviously related to weight loss. For anyone out there who thinks that, you know, they're incapable of changing, that they're not actually able to, you know, lose this weight or look the way they want to look like, what would you kind of say to those people, Steve? At the risk of someone like Barack Obama, yes, you can um you know <laughs> if, you can, if you can if you can gain it you can lose it all right there's no you know it's not like a one-way valve um I, I did that for years and years i was the heavy one i was the goalkeeper because i was i covered the most space in the goal because it was so big um like the running other people do that i don't do that um even going to the gym i was like i'm not able for that i'm not the kind of person that does that but you can make yourself this kind of person if that's what you think. These people don't exist. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a, I used to have a gym phobia. Not, not gym phobia. It makes it sound worse than it really was because I was in, in teams and in gyms as a result. But, you know, when I started the journey, I went to big gyms and there's lads in there with their stringers and they're snap back on backwards. And I'm kind of looking at them going, I don't belong here. They don't give a shit because they're busy with their own stuff. And, that environment if you can find a gym environment that is positive and uplifting it's worth its weight in gold because everyone's in there to better themselves nobody goes to the gym to make itself worse you know Absolutely. And oh, wow. it's there's, there's a vibe when you go to it like like i love going to like heavy weight gyms you know yeah. where yeah lads old are like school powered in terms <laughs> of big rusty weights because man they are the hardest of the hard I and they're the it. most it's, it's the most basic but the most extreme at the same time and <laughs> There, there's no reason in the world, you know, like I know 
there are, there are certain things that are impossible. I'm never going to be an astronaut. I'm never going to break the 100 meters. <laughs> but that's why it's so important to set goals for yourself that are actually attainable. Not so attainable that you do it in two weeks and you're kind of done with it then. But attainable to the point that you're not heartbroken because you don't do it. It's finding that goal that is just on the periphery of this is really going to test me, sure. but I'm going to be a better person so for it. Gold. Gotcha. I like you know, it. You want you want something that's going to test you because you you, you grow with it. You grow with the pressure and you grow with failures. You like failures only fine if you let it be. And like like I said earlier, you dissect the losses, you figure out what went wrong, you look at it, you readdress, and you keep moving forward. Um, it's it really is about having a good foundation, whether that's the accountability of a personal trainer, which is what I needed. Um, yeah. especially at that period remember when I said I needed the extra month of Paul for Christmas 100% get through that I tough knew what time I had yeah. to do, but I just need a big brother to be watching you know and you know it's awful easy sometimes you set off on a journey by yourself to uh, sure who who knows sure nobody's going to know I had the extra biscuits or nobody's mm-hmm. going to know I skipped the gym you know bad habits kick in but so do good habits and if you make a habit of going for your evening walk or a habit of going to the gym after work that's what it becomes. It becomes a habit. Yeah, um, so anybody can do, you know, you can lose weight, you can go to run races, you can go compete, you can be a bodybuilder if you want, provided there's nothing medically stopping you. There's no reason psychologically that you can't. I love it, man. I think that's, yeah, what a great way to kind of wrap this up. Absolutely. Such power in everything you said there. And just like, I, I think it again, it comes back to that identity, like just saying I am. Um, for, for me, like something, I guess just with technology now, Steve, like it's something I feel challenged with just to sit down and actually read a book and leave the phone aside and not be, you know, responding to the messages, checking Instagram, scrolling through Facebook. And it, it, it definitely can be challenging at times. But I, I love, again, like going back to James Clear, like he kind of talks about building identity. So some days that I can't read at all, I'll just literally read one page. And look, did I learn it on that page? No, I didn't. But I'm building the identity that I am. I am someone who reads every single day. So, you know, for someone out there who who thinks that you've got to train seven times a week for 30, 45, 60 minutes, you don't. But you, what you do got to do is get out of that all or nothing mentality, that you don't have to be 10 out of 10 perfect, that you adjust the diet. You know, that sometimes going for a walk you might have planned to work out, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But going for a walk, it's better than nothing. Or having the two slices of pizza, you don't have to have the full pizza, as Paul was saying. You know, you don't just have to press the effort button and just go all out that always something it's better than all or nothing. Um, so something I can definitely relate to there. And I actually love the way you mentioned oh, the gyms too, Steve. Um, I'm not sure if you know Ben Bruno. He's a celebrity trainer based in LA. And he trains pro athletes. He trains like, these, you know, Hollywood high ticket actors who are on multi-million, <laughs> huge, 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 huge um, money each each year. And he trains them in his garage gym, which doesn't even have a squat rack. All right. So, <laughs> you know, you can have all, you go to the gym with all the fancy equipment and, and the best, you know, the next level equipment. But really, like it just comes down to having the few basics. 
and and you can really get it done from anywhere. So, Steve, look, first of all, I just want to acknowledge, you know, thank you so much for coming on. I think your journey, man, it's just so incredible. It really is an inspiration and it just goes to show, look, Steve isn't a Hollywood actor. Steve Steve is, is a guard. He's from Galway, Ireland. You know, he grew up, he grew up uh, speaking Irish as his first language. He's no different to you and I. So if Steve can do it, you know, it just goes to show literally anyone can do it no matter where you are, we're all capable of making change. We're all capable of progress. And so, Steve, before we wrap things up, um, just currently training nutrition-wise, are you currently training towards anything? I'm curious in that end, um, Steve. What does, what, does, like, what, what does life look like for you at the moment? Uh, fucking 100 miles an hour. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> do you ever have one of those periods in life where everything is busy? Do you know where personal life is busy and currently in the process of, of uh, I suppose a planning application for a house and everything with that seems to be just 100 miles an hour and then my personal life is busy work is busy so it's all just I suppose I'm grateful for the release that you know the gym or exercise provides I'm kind of doing a bit of strength training at the minute because oh, I, I, I enjoyed the training during the cut but I've always been, and my mate Shane Walsh laughed at me so much. I love volume. I love volume training. I love sets upon sets upon sets of reps. And he's like, you can't keep doing that. Eventually, you're going to crash. And I'm like, so what? Here I am. If it happens, it happens. I was like, till then, I'll be real happy. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at right now. There's so much going yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's class, though. It's, it's like the best kind of 100 miles an hour. I'm still getting it done, man. That's awesome. Awesome. Steve, final two questions before we go. Um, so firstly, I'm just big into like, you know, routine or structure. And I'm just curious for you, Steve, um, seeing as things are 100 miles an hour, like, do you have a, like, what do the first like, you know, 30 to 60 minutes of your day look like? Do you have a bit of a morning routine going for you? Or, or is it just, you know, straight off the cuff, whatever happens? Uh, possibly the worst person in the world as this because our, our, <laughs> our shifts are so strange. Sure, yeah, normal, gotcha. I suppose I'll go with the morning routine. It's uh, awake, coffee, audio book on the way to work. Right. Um, I like to try and not have dead time. And to be fair, at six in the morning, there's not a whole lot of people bothering you. Like we're saying, the phone is always blinging. There's always phone calls always. and texts and emails. That time in the morning, nobody's bothering me. So it's my chance to learn a little. It's like I have an hour where I can get some good information into my head, whether it's just listening to an autobiography that I'm reading that I can take something from or listen to a podcast where I'm learning, you know, about nutrition or training and then I'm in work. So it's crazy 12 Savage. hours after that. So I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Make your make your commute, as Brian Kane says, a library in wheels. Um, something I did as a teacher, instead of listening to the radio, just listen to podcasts or listen to audiobooks of something that's actually going to, you know, bring you self-development. And finally, see, this is the Lifestyle Lifters show. So I'm just curious for you, what does living a successful lifestyle look like for you? Ooh, uh, oh, it's corny, you know, but happiness. Uh, I spent yeah. a long time not happy, I suppose, really. I spent a long time hiding and trying to be as sheltered as I could. And for me now, it's just being happy and doing things that bring me enjoyment because I want to and not trying to avoid them. Like I said earlier, I, there's actually a period of time there where I don't have photos. So I, t I stayed out of them. Yeah. Um, just didn't want to be seen, didn't want to be heard. And it's all different now. You know, it's not that I'm wow. painful to be around, I hope. But yeah, just happiness. I just, Brilliant. I don't think there's any better metric. You know, you can be fucking, you can be 200 kilos, man. But if you're happy, you know you're happy and it's 
I think it's the number one goal really for everybody. Steve, thanks so much. No better way to wrap this up. This this has really been incredible and and just absolutely amazing. Steve, just before we go, you know, where can people actually learn more about you, about your journey? Where's the best place that people um, want to find out more about you, Steve? Uh, Instagram is pretty much the only place I, I did try. I tried setting up Medium and doing all these things, but I just didn't. I didn't have the heart <laughs> for it. I have the time for it. Uh, I, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Steve's Weight Loss. So Steve's Weight Loss. Steve, I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes. Um, Steve, thanks so much again for coming on. This has been absolutely awesome. Thanks for having me.